Well, wherever you are, the good news is the Heavenly Father is where He has always been. And the Heavenly Father is always there waiting for a relationship with you and with me. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, I hope as we're going through a new year that you also have a new desire to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Uh, That is a sermon series we've been in for a while, and I don't want it to just be a common phrase that a pastor throws out there and that we talk in theory about being at the feet of Jesus, but what happens when we are at the feet of Jesus? What does that look like? Human history seems to document how fickle we can be as human beings, how we go on a roller coaster ride in our commitment and our devotion to the Lord and the things of the Lord. That when times are bad and when times are difficult, we seem to be more spiritual sometimes unless we have become bitter. Uh, You can look back in human history, even in Scripture, and you can go all the way back in the Old Testament. We can find Israel who wakes up in Egypt. They've been there 400 years. It started off good. It was a good thing. There was a famine in the land, and they came. And you remember Joseph was raised up, and, and under his leadership, he would save that whole part of the world with a vision God would give him. They would come there for their rations and for their food because of the drought, and they would live there in Egypt. 400 years later, there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, it says, and he now uh, looked at Israel as his slaves to build his kingdom. They were abused and used by Pharaoh for his own uh, efforts and his own desires. In that ugly time of their human existence, they were desperate. They had nothing that they could do to break away from Pharaoh. And so what did they do? They got real spiritual, like we do. They cried out to God for help, and what did God do? God gave them their deliverance. He miraculously stepped in, and he was personal in that journey, and and they walked after God, and God was their leader, and, and they were heading now for a promised land. Over time, as they experienced the blessings of God, that spirituality began to wane. They began to drift from that passion and that spiritual hunger, and that is simply a picture of human history And you too, as a human being, we can drift and we can fall out of that passionate walk with God and just kind of exist in this world. Each person in this room is in one of four places. I want you to dig in on this for a minute. And I want you to figure out which one of these four places do you find yourself today? Number one, there are some who are living like a prodigal. They're in the far country, the distant country. That far country was far from the father. Uh, He had gone out and away from his dad and said, I'm going to live like I want to live and decided to party it up in the big city, living away from the father. There are some people today in this room and perhaps watching that find themselves with that prodigal heartbeat. Distance from God, distance from where you need to be, just doing your own thing. That's one place. Another place is... Uh, Later on in the story, you find the prodigal son finally coming to the end of the party, realizing that apart from the father, he is miserable. He wakes up in a pig pen, he wakes up bankrupt, and he finds himself, he finally comes to his senses. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that is struggling in that too and saying, you know, uh, the way I've been going isn't working. This is leaving me empty. I'm miserable. I need to return back to the father. That's place number two. Number three is you have experienced the grace of the Heavenly Father. 
Like the prodigal son who returned back home. He had once drifted, but now he has been returned. He is now at the feet of the Father. That is a place. But there is a fourth place. There's also those who have experienced God's grace. But over time, that familiarity of knowing the Lord for so long and walking with the Lord, you kind of take it for granted and you distance. Even though you're there in the presence of the Father, just like the prodigal's brother. You remember the prodigal's brother? The prodigal son takes the bad rap in the story, but if you go back and you look at it, his brother had issues also. His brother was in the right place, but with the wrong heart. That may be a lot in the church in America today. They're still showing up for church. They're still checking boxes. They're still seeking to be somewhat spiritual in the right place, but maybe not the right heart. Where are you in those four scenarios? Well, wherever you are, the good news is the Heavenly Father is where He has always been. And the Heavenly Father is always there waiting for a relationship with you and with me. But it seems like while He's interested in relationship, we aren't always interested. We only get interested, like I said earlier, when things are difficult or bad. Already it's been almost 20 years since September the 11th, 2001. If you can remember back into that time, you remember how raw life was in that moment, how vulnerable everything was. The first time an attack on our own soil and the devastation in that moment and the heartache and the heartbreak. And you can remember how we all drew together as one people. It almost seems like a lifetime ago. It almost doesn't even seem like it really even happened because of now where we wake up today. 20 years ago, we were on our faces before God. 20 years ago, we were a broken nation and a humbled nation. I can tell you from going to New York City on our mission trips, New Yorkers tell us that that was a pivotal time in the history of that city. They went from being a large city of people everywhere who were divided and, and cold-hearted and brutal to becoming a loving people again in a loving city. All of that happened, why? Because it was outside of our control and we needed God and we acknowledged that in that moment. Same is true any other time. When something very difficult happens, I've told you this before, if you're on an airplane and all of a sudden the captain says, we've lost both engines and the plane is diving and stuff is falling out and it's going crazy, the response of even the atheists on the plane is, oh my Buddha? No. Oh, my retirement account? No. Oh, my president of the United States of America? No. The politics go out the window. Oh, my G-O-D. Now, some of you got spankings whenever you said that growing up because they said you were using the Lord's name in vain. And that can be the case. You can be doing that in a vain way, but I would tell you, isn't it interesting that even the atheist heart will cry out, oh my God. In that case, I think it's actually a realization of the heart that this is bigger than me. I am needy and I am desperate and we have a tendency in those moments to call out to God. But why is it only during desperate times? Why does it take a pandemic, a bankruptcy, a bad doctor's report? To draw us back spiritually to a connection with God. Why can't that be an everyday walk with God? I think it can be, and I think it should be. 
And I think that's the design that God has for each and every one of us. But let's be careful that even in that walk with God, it doesn't become a shallow walk. Now, let me show you where I'm going with it next. As I talked about before, history proves that we're more interested in God when we're hurting. But then even when we become interested in God, we're more interested in maybe some shallow things in relationship to God. I would tell you my experience has been, even in my own life, but certainly pastoring people, that we're more interested in the hand of God than we are the rule of God. Uh, we'll come running to God and we're desperate for God, but when is it we come uh, calling out to God? When we need something. And when we need God to do something for us and we need his hand, we need him to hand us what we need. I think we can be more interested in the hand of God than the love of God. I think we can be more interested in the hand of God than the authority and the rule of God in our life. Uh, we find scriptures that clearly talk about God wants to be our provider. He wants to be our protector. Philippians 4.19 says that God wants to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. In Matthew 7.7, 7, he says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it says you have not because you ask not. And so the Lord definitely wants us to approach him in our time of need. The Bible says we can come boldly to that throne of grace. And so there is that aspect of our relationship with God where his hand is engaged. He's pouring out his protection, his provision. This last week, uh, the verse, ask not and you have not. Well, so I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, I, I, I just thought, I was putting this sermon together, I just thought maybe it was time for a raise in my allowance. I know I've been getting the same allowance all these years, but how about a raise this year? I know it's COVID, I know it's a pandemic, I know things have tightened up, but it's been a long time since I got a raise in my allowance. You have not because you ask not. Now some of you are looking at me and say, you still get an allowance? Are you kidding me? That's my point. How silly would it be if all these years later in my relationship with my parents that I still look to them for an allowance? And yet that's how a lot of Christians engage God. They know him for a long time. He's their heavenly father. But really, he's just there to dole out the allowance, the things we need and the things we want to. And as we grow up, you can see in this next picture up on the screen, when we're younger and as children, our parents, we kind of, we kind of take them for granted, don't we? We just assume they're going to take care of every need we have and our hands are always out. And we're always wanting something else. And, and our relationship to our parents is, hey, can I have some money for the weekend? Hey, can I do this? Hey, can I have that? And we're always reaching for their hand. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Parents desire to take care of their children. That is a dimension. But as we grow older, look at this next picture and see the difference. As we grow older... We don't look to our parents for what they can give us, unless you have a real fleshly heart and all you care about is the estate. But as we get older, we relate to our parents differently. I don't go to my parents for an allowance anymore. Uh, I'm on my own. But as I've grown older, now as, as I've grown older, my relationship with my parents changed. Now I just wanted to be with them. 
Now I look to them for wisdom and for input. Did you ever look to wisdom from your parents when you were a teenager? <laughs> Never. You had all the wisdom. You just wanted the allowance. You just wanted the bucks. The older you get, things begin to change. Well, the same thing should be true spiritually. That when I show up at the feet of Jesus, I can show up at the feet of Jesus and say, hey, Lord, I need you to do this today. Hey, Lord, I need... And, and we're really seeking the hand of God. Or I can come to the feet of Jesus, not for what he can do for me, although he can do everything and does all things, but I come to the Lord because I need his wisdom, and I just want relationship with God. Way too many Christians have settled for a childlike faith, and that's not a bad thing as it regards to salvation, but it's not a good thing in sanctification. You have to have a childlike faith to be saved, but after you are saved, you're supposed to leave elementary things behind and grow up and mature in the faith. And that happens when I approach the feet of Jesus, not just to get my handouts, not just so my life will be more comfortable, not so I can get my allowance from heaven, but just because I want to be with him, my heavenly father, my Lord, my Savior. Colossians, you don't have to turn there, but Colossians 1.10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Apostle Paul said that you should be maturing in your faith, growing in that faith, and growing, not the head knowledge. Baptist, you got that down. You know every Sunday school answer possible. You could show up at a biblical trivia contest and win the trophy every time. But it isn't what we know about God. He's talking about knowing him, knowing what pleases his heart, knowing his will, knowing his person. That's my desire to shepherd us into that moment where we are at the feet of Jesus, not reaching out to his hand, but that we might actually do what's recorded in 2 Chronicles. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Automatically, if you hear that, you should already be thinking about a key verse. When you think of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, what verse comes to mind? Verse 14. Go to verse 14. Now, unfortunately, this verse has been more of a political agenda than it has been a personal agenda. And it's a verse, and I remember when Ronald Reagan put this out as a national day of prayer, and, and, and that was my first time to connect to this verse, and I'm thankful that we as a nation would come under this truth. But more importantly... We need to come under this truth. Take a look at it again, and maybe you missed it. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I will heal their land. I want us to focus in on a key portion of that scripture. And sometimes we will hear phrases and be familiar with the phrase but maybe not the original meaning of that phrase. For example, things like, don't cry over spilt milk. Who's ever cried over spilt milk? Usually mom and dad, because they got to clean it up, right? But that's not necessarily mean. Don't beat around the bush. What does that mean? How about they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Seriously? What does that mean? How about, this is, this is pretty good, you can't cut the mustard. Okay, whoever tried? My favorite. There's more than one way to skin a cat. 
Sorry, that's a little morbid this early in the morning. I get it, all right? That's terrible. But what about this phrase? Take a look at, at verse 14. Circle this phrase. We could circle humble themselves, call on my name, turn from their wicked ways. But I want you to focus in on this phrase, and I hope it will stay with you not just today, but every day as you approach the feet of Jesus. Circle this phrase, seek my face. Seek my face. You see, if we're not careful, our relationship with God is nothing but seeking the hand of God and not the face of God. Scripture tells us over and over, and I'm going to take you to several places, we are taught to seek the face of God, and yet that doesn't register with many believers. Let me give you some verses. You don't have to turn to them. I'll put them on the screen. Psalm 27, verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, shall I seek. Now, don't miss that verse. Notice God's desire is that we would seek his face. Notice the response wasn't an immediate reply. Anybody could reply, okay, check, I need to do that. And they take notes, I need to seek the face of God. And you, you write that down in your Bible study journal. But notice the psalmist's response. Where did the response come from? The heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a head issue. His head didn't reply, okay, I need to learn more about God. No, his heart replied, yes, Lord, I need you. I need to seek you. And it was a heart reply. Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. What if that was our daily prayer? What if every day we woke up, not with the head knowledge of God, not the head knowledge that we're a child of God, but we woke up with a heart knowledge of, I want to get to the feet of Jesus because I want to seek his face. What does that mean? Well, we'll dig in. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his face evermore. And then 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says, Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face continually. Not just when it's bad times. Not just during a pandemic. Not just when things are outside of your control. But each and every day. Continually, all day long, seek the face of God. Now, this isn't some mystical thing. It's not where you turn off all the lights, you sit in a dark room in your little prayer closet, and you say, God, reveal your face, and some little floating little kind of nebulous image starts to appear, and you're like, I see the face of God, and you're so more spiritual than anybody else. It's not a mystical reality. Just any more than we've sought the hand of God before. God is spirit. He doesn't have eyes, although it says the eyes of the Lord look to and throw through the earth, looking for those who desire to serve him and know him. Although it talks about God's hand moving mightily on a person. Although it talks about the heart of God. Although it talks about those images. Those are simply descriptors to tell us who God's spirit is in our life. It's not a literal, mystical experience, but it is a true experience, a genuine experience. And what does it mean, the face of God? Well, we're going to see in Scripture, John chapter 17. Turn over there real quick. John chapter 17 and verse 3. In John 17, it says, this is eternal life. Okay, when we think of eternal life, we think of a destination. 
Eternal life is what happens when I die, I leave this planet, and I get to go to heaven. I get to inherit that dwelling place that God has built for me. That's eternal life. No. Jesus said eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not a destination. It's a relationship. Eternal life started for me October 18th, 1981. That's the moment when I surrendered my dead life to Christ. He came to live inside of me. I was born, became a new person. And what was new? I was now spiritual. I was spiritually dead before Christ. Now I'm spiritually alive. And I have a relationship with the Holy God because of what Christ did for me. I came to know him as my Savior. Before that, I knew about Jesus. I've told you before, I even prayed to Jesus even though I didn't know him personally. But then I came to know him. That's eternal life. Heaven is literally that. That's a destination. That's a place I'll get to spend with him forever when I take my last breath. But eternal life is simply knowing God in real relationships. So let me ask you, do you have a date? I'm, you may not know the specific date. For me, it was easy because it was a crusade. I can go back to that documented night, and it was a very specific moment. Some of you, you were saved when you were younger, and you may not know the exact date. That's okay. Don't question that. Just have you been born again? Have you come to know him, not just know about him? Well, in Exodus chapter 34 and 33, you don't have to turn over there exactly, but actually, I do want to take you to Exodus 33. And as you go through this passage, this is a time when Moses desperate, things are going tough for Israel, and the only place he could turn was not his military. He couldn't turn to his treasury. He had to turn to his God, the leader of his life in Israel. He went up on the mountain to meet with God, and the Bible says they met face to face. And when Moses came down, the people freaked out. You remember this story? Why'd they freak out? Because he was glowing. And why was he glowing? Because he had been in the presence of the holy God. The Shekinah glory was all over him. When I was a little kid, life was real simple. Didn't have all the gadgets and tech that all of our kids and grandkids are spoiled with today. We had yo-yos. Remember yo-yos? The coolest yo-yo that ever came across planet Earth was the glow-in-the-dark yo-yo. Super cool. And it isn't from the batteries you stick in it. You would actually hold it up to the light. I actually went to Six Flags and got a, a skull one time, too, that was weird. And it was just one of those morbid days. I didn't know Jesus. But same thing happened. It glows. It gets the light. And then at night, you turn off the lights, and it just glows. Why? Because it was held up to the light. Because it absorbed the source of the light. Moses met with God and now look at Exodus 33, verse 11. Look at this verse. It's powerful. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, watch this, face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Moses wasn't more special than anyone else. But Moses had a desire not just to get the hand of God, but to seek the face of God. The difference between Moses and everybody else who's down the mountain is he experienced God face to face. The rest just knew about God. 
Now, which Christian are you going to be? You going to be just content to sit in church and learn about God? Or will it be your heart's desire to find yourself at the feet of Jesus every day and meet with him face to face, not as someone who can pour out heavenly blessings, but just because he's the friend of your soul? Meeting with him just like you would somebody over a cup of coffee. Now, I'm not saying that that's so casual and so flippant, but I'm talking about intimate, intimate connection. And that time you spend face-to-face with Jesus, just like you would your very best friend. So when we come to the feet of Jesus, hopefully it won't just be seeking the hand. It would be to seek his face. And when we seek his face, here's some things. Write them down quickly. Here's what happens when we meet face-to-face with God. Number one, you will be changed. You will be changed. Moses went up the mountain frustrated. He went up the mountain burdened. He went up the mountain seeking God's help. And as he met with God face to face, he was radically changed. Not just because he started glowing the radiance of God, but that meeting with God and spending time with him softened his heart, gave him a peace that he needed, gave him direction that he needed to lead the people of Israel. He was a changed man. Number two, when you meet with God at the feet of Jesus, You will literally reflect the glory of God. You will reflect the glory of God. But then there are times that we distance ourselves from the feet of Jesus. We find ourselves still loving God, but loving from a distance. And we've looked at it before. Just for a point of reference, in Luke 22, verses 60 through 62, you read about the night that Peter denied Jesus three times. And in that encounter, the closest, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, the Bible says, was falling at a distance. And you remember the story. We've looked at it several times. And the final time when he's challenged, aren't you one of those Jesus people? Aren't you his friend? I know you. I've seen you with Jesus. And he literally cusses to the top of his lungs. I don't know, bleepity bleep. Ouch. Dark. Denied Christ for the, three, for the third time. But if you read about the account, as soon as those cuss words rolled off his lips, immediately, you know what happened next? You'd expect a lightning bolt, wouldn't you? Isn't this when lightning bolt God should show up? Isn't this when he needs a holy spanking? Doesn't he need his mouth washed out with soap? You know what happened next? The Bible says he was literally as far as from I am to Kent right here, right across a campfire. And as soon as he denied that third time, that last cuss word, his eyes caught the eyes of Jesus. He looked into the eyes and face, face to face. He was face to face with Jesus. Now, we've talked about this before. I don't know if girls actually practice, it, practice this, even though I've raised three in my home, but they, girls have a way of expressing so much with their eyes. That can be a good thing over spaghetti at an Italian restaurant on a date, or that can be a bad thing if you've come home late from work, can it? Two totally different expressions. We all can do that. We all can communicate. I've got the bulging vein inherited from my father. 
My kids can look at me and they can know immediately if this is going to be a pleasant experience or a challenging experience. And I don't have to say a word. Well, you would expect Jesus to look across that campfire. His best friend has just cussed his name, denied him for a third time. Can't you see that holy wrath of God pouring from his face? That's not what Peter experienced. Jesus already knew it was going to happen. Already told him it would happen. Didn't catch Jesus by surprise. Jesus isn't disappointed when you fall short of his glory. He will love you back to the feet in relationship. And in that moment, as he looked into Peter's eyes, it brought several things. Number one, it brought compassion. He received compassion from Jesus in that moment. It also brought conviction and encouragement. It was as if Jesus was saying, Peter, I told you. But he didn't say, I told you so. He said, remember what I told you. That once you go through this, you will be stronger and you will be better and you'll be used by my Father to be a blessing to everyone. Don't forget, there were the eyes of compassion, there was the eyes of encouragement. Because instead of like Judas going out and giving up and taking his life, he went out and repented. Said, God, forgive me. And he entered into reconciliation with his God. That's the third thing, is brokenness. You see, when you're face-to-face with God, he will bring conviction, he will bring encouragement, he will always bring brokenness. He will never leave you where you are, he will always shepherd you to where you need to be, face-to-face with Jesus. There was another time at the end of Jesus' life, Matthew chapter 26, and again, you don't have to turn there, but you can picture it. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is being hung on a cross. On each side, there are two thieves rightfully being crucified. Both of them are able to look into the face of our suffering Savior. One thief is there mocking him, spitting at him, cursing him, and saying, you're a fake, and you're of no value to me. But yet there was the other who turned to Jesus And look to him face to face. Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. A criminal, someone who fell way short of the glory of God. Somebody who probably had taken another life or or something that deserved capital punishment in that moment. Deserving of a cross, found salvation and forgiveness because he went face to face with Jesus. And maybe today, maybe that is your need. Maybe today you need to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me. Lord, I need a new life. I need your peace. I need your grace. And that can only be found at the feet of Jesus, face to face. I do want you to turn to this passage and we'll close. Psalm chapter 24. Everybody look at Psalm chapter 24 in verse 3. Who is it that can ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who can come to the feet of Jesus? Who's worthy to stand on that holy ground? That's a great question, isn't it? We would all say none of us. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. You say, okay, see, so I need to quit doing this and 
and I need to clean up my act. You can't clean it up. Only Jesus can. I have pure hands and a pure heart today, not because I'm a Baptist pastor, not because I'm a better person today, but because I am a saved person and Jesus has cleansed me and he has forgiven me and he is perfecting me. It's all the work of Jesus, period. And I have direct access now. I'm reconciled to God, not because I joined a church, not because I got baptized, but because Christ reconciled me through his blood. He who has lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. For this is, watch this, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. If ever there was a time for this generation to seek God, it's now. If there was ever a time that we needed the Lord more than ever before, it is now. But it's not just to seek his hand. God, wipe out this pandemic. God, remove COVID. No, more than that, may we be a generation that just wants to seek him, period. Period. Just seek his face. Several years ago, as Cammie and I were dating, we met in high school. We dated, and, and uh, we dated several years, um, six and a half years, I think it was. It was a long dating period, longer than I anticipated, longer than I thought I could even get from a girl, certainly with Cammie. And there was a moment in that relationship. We'd been through good times, great times, challenging times, high school, college. It'd been a long time. And there was that one day... That one day when I knew it was time, I had gone out and bought the ring, and I proposed to Cammie. Now, when I did that, I didn't ask somebody to do it for me. I didn't go to my best friend and said, hey, man, I, 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 would you go ask Cammie if she'd marry me? I got to know. I didn't write her a letter, which we did back in those days, little notes. Will you marry me? Yes, no, or maybe. No, I didn't do that. I found a very special place. We didn't go to the public library. We didn't go to a sporting event. It was a very intimate moment, a very private moment. And in that moment, we say, we ask for their hand in marriage. And you remember the setting? The guy gets on the knee, and he doesn't look at her feet. While he reaches up for the hand, where does he look? If he loves her, he looks to her face. And in that moment, it's a sweet moment, it's a beautiful moment, it's a holy moment, relationship. I don't ask her, hey, can I have your hand in marriage because your dad is filthy rich and that's going to bless me down the line. I'm not reaching for her hand just because I want what's in her hand. I'm reaching for the heart. And that connection happens face to face. And there are so many people who have such a surface relationship with God because they think it just happens by being in church. That doesn't happen. It happens at the feet of Jesus. But it happens when we seek his face. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. I said there's one of four places every person is in this room 
You're in one of these four places. You're either way out there, you're, you're doing your own thing like the prodigal son. You've been living it up. You've been doing your own thing and thinking that was going to work, and it has left you empty. Come home. Face to face. Come back to the feet of Jesus. There's others here that that's exactly where you are, man. You're bankrupt. You're, you're empty. You have nothing left, man. You have partied it out. You have, you have come to the end of your wits, and man, you're just empty. Come to your senses today and do what the prodigal son did. Return back to the Father. Get back to the feet of Jesus. There could be some here that are like the older brother. You come to church all the time. You do a quiet time. You serve the Lord. You love the Father. You're in the right place, but your heart still isn't right either. You're just going through the motions. You're not seeking the face of God. You're just there because you want the hand of the Father. You just want to keep getting the estate, the blessing of the Father. Now it's time to grow up. It's time to fess up and say, Lord, more than anything else, I just want to seek you, period, face to face. I want to meet with you like Moses. I want to walk with you that is real and intimate. could be there's somebody here you've never entered into a relationship with the father you've never been forgiven like that thief on the cross it's time for you to confess your need lord remember me lord i need a relationship with you lord i need to be saved if that's you in this room if that's you worshiping online right where you are you can bow and say that's me lord i i'm empty like that thief on the cross I deserve death. I deserve separation from your holiness. But God, today I cry out for your mercy. God, save me. And today, you could be a child of God. Today, all of that could change for you. But that takes a face-to-face. However you've just responded in your heart. Remember the Lord said, seek my face. The psalmist said, my heart said, I will seek you. If that's your heart desire, whatever that is today, would you share that with us? You can do that on your church center app now. There's a place for prayer requests or the communication card. You can do that digitally. You can do that through an email or online chat with the online pastor, or you can write it on an old-fashioned communication card. Drop it in the offering stations as you're dismissed. Let that be what happens at the feet of Jesus. Not just seeking his hand, but seeking his face. Lord, may that be not just a prayer. May that not just be a sermon title. May that be our heart cry. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.